I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Black, Brown, and Bilingual, where our mission is to unite the black and brown communities through education, storytelling, and community engagement. The vision of Black, Brown, and Bilingue is to be part of creating a world in which Black and Brown identities are affirmed, bilingualism and biculturalism are nurtured, and equity is the driving force behind all that we do. Thank you for joining us again today. I am Lisette Jacobson, and I am one of your hosts. And I'm Maurice McDavid. I'm your other host. Uh, Welcome in to another episode of Black, Brown, and Bilingue. Uh, I'm your host, Maurice McDavid. Now I'm your other host, Lisette Jacobson, and we're ecstatic to have Principal Cafele here with us this morning, um, learning from him. We've been following you, like many people do, Principal Cafele, um, for quite some time. And I wanted to open up because I actually, you signed my book at the Illinois Principals Association Conference. Oh, well. Wait, there's like a little thing. <laughs> and there's a picture of us together. So when we edit this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the picture of us. But um, you actually said something that stuck with me. At that time, I was an assistant principal. You were like, so what are your aspirations? I said, well, I want to be a principal. And you were like, good. I was only an AP for one year. Yeah. And sure enough, as fate would have it, I was an AP for one year. Oh. And I, I credit you. For that because you kept me pushing and going so thank you so much absolutely absolutely so uh we want to just share uh with our listeners um if somehow uh they have been either under a rock or maybe they're just not familiar with the educational space um in which you have done so much work we want to just take a moment and uh tell our listeners a little bit uh, about you um, and so uh, Principal Caffelli, as, as he is known as a highly regarded um, urban educator uh, in New Jersey, um, he was there for more, or more than there for more than 20 years and has distinguished himself as both a master teacher and transformational school leader. Um, also, I mean, author uh, multiple times over, including um, some books uh, such as Motivating Black Males to Achieve in School and in Life. Closing the attitude gap, and is my school a better school because I lead it? Um, has won multiple awards, including Teacher of the Year, um, uh, both for his districts as well as uh, was um, you know ranked among the top teachers in his state while he was teaching, and then uh, has now been doing speaking engagements for for over thirty years as well. So. We are incredibly um, uh, honored to have you on the show, um, Principal Caffelli, and and we 
Nab, just uh, again, as, as two young uh, educators, um, although you know what, we're not as young as we once were, you know. We, I know, I, want, I, I guess we gotta start describing ourselves that way. <laughs> you My know. niece just reminded me of that yesterday. <laughs> Um, we, we, we've been in it for a minute now. So, uh, but we, we, again, we thank you for taking the time uh, to be with us today. I appreciate um, the opportunity. Thank you. So, get so you talk a lot about the title of principal and you're very intentional about being referred as like principal Caffelli. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners a little bit as to like, why, why you say that like so proudly and you, you want to be referred as such? Yeah, and, and before I do, now that I've been formally introduced, let me just say to you, Lizette, let's say first that um, congratulations on that principalship. That is, uh, I don't know how long you've been in the role now, but what a what a significant, what, a, what an important position that you're in. And, you know, you did it, you did the AP position for one year, and, and that's good. You know, it, it does, you know, a lot of people think you got to do five, 10 years and, and learn, get all this experience. No, you're never going to be fully prepared for that principalship until you're in the seat. And then you start learning as you do, you know, relative to the, the, the specifics of your school, et cetera. So just congratulations Thank for you. that. Regarding the question, um, you know, I, I, I liken it to the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? That was the movie about uh, Tina, Tur Tina and Ike Turner. And after all was said and done and she went to court, she didn't want to sue and get money. She said, all I want, just let me have my name, right? Tina Turner, because that wasn't her legal name. She said, I just want my name. So when I left my principalship, obviously I couldn't bring the principalship with me as a speaker, as a consultant. But I said, I, I just want that title. Right. I, because because Principal Kefele is who I was for 14 years and I didn't want to morph out of that. I still wanted to be that guy that was leading those schools. So I took that name principal with me, that title principal with me and made it a part of my name. So so I would dare say that there are a lot of people out here that didn't know me, know my work but may not necessarily know that that's not my name because people literally call me principal. Right now, if they read my books, then they see, you know, the books say Baruti. But that was the reason, um, because as I said to you regarding your trajectory, um, the principalship is just a it's a mighty position. It's a phenomenal position. It's 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 not for everybody. But those of us who get into it and, and do well in it, it's 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 a big deal. So I just wanted to take that with me and take ownership of it. Mm. So, uh, Principal Cafele, you you mentioned it. Um, your your first name is Baruti. Um, I, I wonder, could you tell our listeners? And and I'm really interested. Um, that's a powerful name, Baruti Cafele. That's a yeah. powerful name. Can you talk a little bit about about that that the story of your name, your actual name, and 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 doing so? Maybe we get to know you too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm probably going to give you a little bit more than you're asking for. But um, you know that I was I was not born as either, right? So I wasn't born as Baruti Kafele. But when I got to undergrad school, and I was a very late bloomer, and so I got to undergrad school at age twenty three and stumbled on Af upon African American history the day I got there. Um, just literally stumbled on it. it wasn't some course I was taking. Uh, wasn't my program of study. Just went to the library, and there it is. I stumbled on it. And I immersed myself into it as a result. 
and it 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 got it you know it piqued my curiosity my interests i got excited i got angry and because i never heard any of what i was learning before never never was exposed to it so as i'm reading reading and reading i said wow well i, I want a name that identifies with what i'm reading because I'm reading all African American and African uh, diaspora, which is inclusive of the continent of the uh, continent of Africa, I'm reading all of this information about it. So I said, I want a name that ties me to that continent. But I said, let me look for a, a name with a meaning that speaks to where I want to go. So I find this word Baruti, which means teacher, and it comes from Botswana. And I said, that's the name. So from so late 1984, early 1985, I start introducing myself to whomever I meet as Baruti, as opposed to my original name, which I'm not going to share because I don't resurrect that one. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's buried. So so now for seven years, that's what people call me. My mother called me Baruti immediately. My my father, and you know that was that was my name. So now. When I wrote my first book in 1991, I needed to do something. Am I am I going to just use it as an informal name, or am I going to adopt it as a, as a, as my legal name now that I'm putting out my first book and putting a name on a cover? So I decided to change my name legally, and I've been Baruti Kafele legally since 1991. So so with that, the name Baruti. I said a name that speaks to where I'm going. So I didn't know definitively that I'd become a teacher, but I knew that I, I you know, I was curious. So, so when people say Baruti, or when they read it on the books, they're, they're, they're seeing teacher, they're saying teacher, they're reading teacher, but Kefele is a little bit different. It, it means worth dying for, it comes from the country of Malawi. And I gave it a little spin, if you will. I said, the, the, the formal definition is worth dying for. So I said, the struggle for the liberation of the minds of the children is worth dying for. So now you, bring, you string it together, teacher who's fighting to ensure that young people are able to maximize their potential, worth dying for. So that's, the, that's full circle. That I'm so glad I asked that question. Because <laughs> that's... that's <laughs> Yeah. And, and and so then as you eventually become um, an educator, you know, Maurice and I often talk about how, particularly for Latinos, there wasn't any like Latino history taught in schools. And we did an abysmal job at teaching even African-American history. Um, how much of that knowledge that you took from college did you um, incorporate into your classroom and even as a as a principal? 100%. Um, I became, I, I guess, a way outside of the box oriented educator, as a good friend of mine would say, a no box or educator, which means just burn the box down, as he says. And but but outside of the box, where I'm taking all that information I acquired, because again, I, I never took a course, just just read, read, read and read. And all that information I acquired, I was able to insert it into mathematics or incorporate it into math and science and language arts and social studies, et cetera, up until the point where our district departmentalized 
starting in grade three and I was a fifth grade teacher. So now I could teach solely social studies, which was really my interest. And now I can take all of that all day with four different classes and, and, and take a curriculum, breathe life into it. And now ensure that learning was culturally relevant for the students that we service. I was in a city called East Orange, New Jersey, which is where I'm born and raised. And everybody there is black at the time. So now there's a, there's a smaller Latino population, but outside of that, it's still a black city. So I'm able to look at who's in the classroom and, and present learning in a way that they can identify with it because they're seeing themselves. So let me, you know, so, so you look at mathematics, you're thinking, well, what's math got to do with history and culture? I can take the math and look at their, because at the, before we were departmentalized, I'm teaching everything. So I can take the math and look at how the math relates to who they are, culturally speaking, just, just, just turn the numbers into real life stories. So that they become relatable, they become uh, identifiable. So now I'm making that math culturally relevant. I'm doing the same thing in the science class. I'm doing the same thing, obviously in the social studies, but also in the language arts, reading, writing, listening, and speaking, and now viewing. And then when, as a principal, did the same thing. Now, now I will say that I was I was I was perceived as controversial um, by many of the staff when I was a teacher, and then as a principal, by many within the district, it may not have understood. Um, but my results spoke for themselves, right? So when the questions came up, how are you doing that? Oh, very simple. I'm putting the youngster in the lesson. I'm putting the youngster on the page so the youngster can identify with it, relate to it as if it was something that youngster seeks out on his or her own time, such as a video game, sports, entertainment, what, what, in, uh, social media, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm putting him and her in the story. I want to follow up on that because, sorry, Maurice, I know you wanted to jump in with a question, but give me a second. So, you know, I consider myself so, somewhat, you know, I think outside of the box and I also could be a little controversial. Um, for the listeners, though, it, it's a fine line to navigate. It's not just a matter of like, I'm going to push the envelope, but there's a part of it that you have to be showing results. Like you just can't be pushing the envelope and not yielding the results. What advice would you give to the educators out there, I would imagine there are a lot who see some of the limitations that exist under the current system. Um, uh, job security is also important. So what advice would you give? Yeah, that's, 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 that's a great question. You've, you've got to align yourselves with others um, of like mind. And you've also got to have strong people skills so mm -hmm. that as you see that this is, uh, you know, whatever, it doesn't have to be what I just talked about, but whatever it is that you see out there that you said this will work, well, you've got to know how to sell that. And, and one, of the, one of the disadvantages of educators, and to, particularly when we go through a pre-service program, is that there's no course offered on marketing 101. I was fortunate enough that I majored in marketing. So I came into education through a back door. So I majored in marketing and I, and I learned how to sell, how to sell services, how to sell products, how to serve, how to sell ideas. So I learned how to sell, how to, how to, how to take what it is in my head and, and give it to somebody else. So that's, that's the people skills coupled with the communication skills. Whereas you got a lot of folks in education, we're in the selling business. 
but you got a lot of us in this business that don't know how to sell. So, 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 so we've got certain skill sets, but we don't know how to give it to the next person. So here, here, here you are someone out there looking at this video and, and you've got these solid ideas on what your students need in order to get them from the proverbial point A to point B, but you've got these roadblocks relative to people who are in charge who may not want to see you implement your program. Well, you've got to figure out how do I how do I sell this? How do I talk to people where I don't have to you know be go, go rogue and and just push it anyway? As you talked about job security, as opposed to them saying, "Huh, this sounds this this sounds viable." I, I, I think I'm going to allow you to, to implement this because that's what happened with me. When, when, when I decided that I wanted electives in African-American history and ancient comedic history, which means ancient Egyptian history, I wanted, I, I wanted electives in a middle school with, with, with specific books that I, that I recommended, but I can't just go and do that without board approval. So I have to go to a superintendent and sell that on a, on a superintendent who in turn has to sell it on a board. But first I got to sell him. So I wasn't able to sell it on him that he said, okay, but I'm gonna hold you accountable because this, this is very different from what we do. I said, fine, hold me accountable. In fact, give me three years from, it's a middle school. Give me from the time the incoming sixth graders who come in with me are eighth graders as opposed to me making that promise with the youngsters who were with, with the previous administration, right? So Prince Superintendent said, fine, let's do it. So we went on and wrote all this curriculum, instituted those courses, got those test scores back. And as I had promised, we'd be number one in the district um, at the middle school level. Not only were we number one in the district, we were the number one in the state of New Jersey of schools of similar demographics, right? So the question became how? And I said, we put the youngsters on the page, but, but, but the bigger picture in terms of what you asked was I was able to sell this, right? And I had allies, right? Because, because my staff bought into this. So they wanted to see it happen. So, and, and so many of them wanted to teach these courses. So, so they're allies in the building, support in the building, but the superintendent now becomes a support because I knew how to pitch it to them. Right. I think that's a key, a key step right, is having that ability to sell it. And because I, you know, you see a lot of colleagues going through some hardships and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It also boils down to people skills and building those allies. Yep, that's important in, in all facets of education, having those mm -hmm. people skills. Yeah, I think, you know, you talked too though about that accountability piece, right? That idea that I'm so, I'm so confident in this work, right? That that absolutely, if you come to me and say, you're going to hold me accountable for this work that, that we're putting forward, that, that I feel very comfortable with that idea, right? So that accountability piece is huge. Um, yeah. um, you know, in, in, a lot of your, in a lot of your writing and a lot of your um, presentations, you, you talk a lot about kind of that attitude gap, right? And, and so I'm wondering, right, because it sounds like, right, we're talking culturally responsive teaching. We're talking about putting the student on the page, but then also thinking about some of the things that you that you've written and spoken about. That attitude piece 
what role does that, right, in terms of that accountability, right, actually producing the outcomes, what role does that attitude piece really play and, and attitude of, of whom are we talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, it's, it's right there with that whole culturally relevant component because the, the, the purpose of the cultural relevance or the vehicle, if you will, is to shift attitude. Right, so they so they so they're going hand in glove. So with attitude, it, you know, there's 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 always been this conversation about closing the achievement gap, as opposed to attitude. So we got to close the achievement gap. Got to close the achievement gap. Then they came up with these subgroups, and so 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 achievement gap along racial ethnic lines or racial lines, um, language lines, special needs, so um, regular aid lines. Um, gender and, and socioeconomic and so forth and whatever other lines they want to create. And for me, as a young educator, I could never wrap my mind around it. It didn't make sense. It's probably because I read The Miseducation of the Negro written by Carter G. Woodson, where he said, when you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about it. When you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. So, so when I'm thinking, when I'm thinking about that, I said, hmm, that has nothing to do with achievement. That's all attitude. That's all thinking. So I said, we've got to shift attitudes. And, and my mantra was became shift the attitude and the content will follow, right? Shift the attitude and the content will follow. So I started going hard and going in on attitude. And and I, and I started calling this gap instead of achievement gap. I said, "This is this is an attitude gap that we've got to close. If we can close this attitude gap, achievement will take care of itself." So then I so then people started asking, well, "What do you mean by that?" And I started. I gave it a definition. I said, "The gap between those students who have the will to achieve excellence and those who do not." So here, on the one hand, you got that youngster that just for whatever the reason comes in fired up and ready to go. And then on the opposite end, you got this youngster who seemingly, with an emphasis on that word seemingly, seemingly unmotivated, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got everybody in between. I said, that's the gap I want to close, right? I want to, I want to get that classroom. I want to get that school to a point where we're all fired up, right? So so as we worked there, and, and these three guiding questions to, to sort of support it, are my students excited about themselves? Are my students excited about learning? Are my students excited about the prospects for their future? I said, those three questions have to drive the work of closing the attitude gap. Because if I'm not excited about the person in my mirror, right, then it's going to be very difficult for me to reach those goals that, that we're striving to attain. So, so part of the work of the teacher is, is, is how do we get youngsters to just become excited about self? And then secondly, if, if they're in school six, seven, eight hours a day and we're engaged in teaching and learning, but I've got youngsters who are not excited about learning new information, then how do I get youngster excited about that which I teach? And then thirdly, excitement about the prospects for their future. If I've got youngsters sitting in the classroom, not even sure that they're going to live by beyond 21, um, not sure that they have a place in the world, then why is what we do every day relevant to their lives? So that became these three guiding questions toward closing this student achieve, um, attitude gap. But then I said, but I can't confine this to the youngster. And I started looking at the adult. I was 
Yeah, I started looking <laughs> at the adult. And, and I gave that a definition, the attitude gap began, the gap between those adults, those educators who have the will to be amazing at their craft and those who do not. Now, let me break that down a little bit. The will to be amazing. So the will to come in that school and to be extraordinary with those young people. Not, not, not saying that every day you're going to be on, on top of your game because we know that everybody's going to have bad days, bad weeks, whatever. But, but overall, the will to be amazing at what I do, not coming in and I'm just an average, I'm an okay, I'm a mediocre educator, but I'm trying to be amazing at this thing. So on the one hand, the will to be amazing, but then I said at your craft. And that's critical because I'm saying, like, for example, as I say to anybody, uh, I'm not trying to be good, great, phenomenal at everything. I, I, I'm focused very narrowly on education, but the specific things that I, that, I, that I zero in on. So I said, those things, I want to be at the top of my game. But if, but if somebody, like, like I, wrote, I wrote a post one day and I said, I'm not even trying to be be phenomenal in all aspects of education. I isolated education, brought it together and said, there's two areas that I want to focus on, attitude and, and school leadership overall, right? Everything else, I'll leave that for other people to address, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I'm saying here, attitude, school leadership, that's my craft. And as it relates to those two areas, I want to be the best version of Principal Kefele that I can possibly be, right? So, so, so therefore, going back to the definition, the gap between those educators who have the will to be amazing at their craft. So I'm asking the teacher, I'm asking the leader, I'm asking the counselor, I'm asking whomever's in that building, is what you do can you can can you consider it to be your craft like is is this your thing that you do professionally and you said i want to be the best version of me at it and therefore i'm going to do the things i need to do to become great at what i do don't don't, don't have to be better than the next person because it's not a competition it's just a it's a competition between you and you so what do I have to do to be the best me at what I do? And that's the gap that I started focusing my energy on. So those two gaps within the gap with students, the gap with adults. Yeah, that, that's, I, I wrote, ma'am. I know I'm, 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 I'm feeling, definitely feeling inspired right now. Um, and and I've got a I, I definitely I want to take a moment here and just call something out um, that that I want to then ask you about. You know, I think one of the reasons I feel more inspired than even another conversation had on this podcast is because again I'm looking at somebody who looks like me, right? I had to take the glasses off because I um uh, the, the the glare or whatever, you know, but. But I'm rocking the glasses, you know. I'm I I got a little gray on the chin, you know, when it comes in, you know. But I'm looking at somebody who looks like me, and and for me, I I've often told the story um, about the fact that my first black male educator uh, I had when I was when I was 21 years old. I was a junior in college. Uh, this this man by the name of uh, Dr. Conrad Hamilton, American history professor, 
And um, and I just remember like being enamored with this class, right? And so I, I wonder if you could uh, speak to this idea, right? You've talked about that attitude gap. You've talked about putting the student on the on the page. You've talked about, you know, kind of your run-in with with Black history. Um, what what do you, what do you think it meant though to have you, or what does it mean even currently to have a, a Black male educator standing at the front of a classroom or at the front of a building? I'm, um, you know, serving. I'm in my third year as principal um, in a district okay. where again I'm the only Black male person in in the district you know um so can you just talk a little bit about uh, have you like felt aware of that impact that you have stepping up front oh, i'm big time aware of it you know i, I you know it's, it's interesting um I, I do a live stream on saturdays which i'm sure you all are aware uh virtual ap leadership academy mm -hmm. but we do a we do a, a second saturday segment called leading while black and it, they come from those guests come from a book called Fighting the Good Fight, where it's 35 African-American principals who fought, who, who wrote um, essays based on their their experiences as being African-American principals. So anyway, there's a question that I ask each of them when we do those segments. And the question is, do you see yourself as the principal or do you see yourself as a black principal? And, and and the different answers are are interesting for me as I receive them. For me, on the one hand, yeah, I, I was obviously the principal of the school, but I always saw myself as the black principal, or I should say, a black principal, because being a black principal brought certain responsibilities that say the white principal up the highway in a suburban town did not have. Right? See, 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 see. In other words. For black and brown principles, as I as I always say, and I'll, I'll take this to my grave, these are not just jobs for us. And, and when it is just a job, it probably means that we need to do some more reading and study, right? These are responsibilities that we're in. These are obligations that we're in. This is our activism when we're in these roles. So, so we may not, you know, we, I mean, we, we could march in the street and engage in, in school leadership, or we can do the other different facets of activism outside of school. But for me, as principal, that was my core activism. So I'm not just there as educator. I'm not just there as, as in terms of a career. In fact, I used to tell folks, including my own students and staff, I don't have a career, right? I don't, I don't, I don't have a profession, right? It's this, this is my mission. It's my purpose. It's my activism. It's my advocacy. This is this is what I this is what I do. So I'm very so therefore I'm very much cognizant that I'm a black man when I'm in that role. So when I'm outside shaking hands in the morning or hugging whatever it is I'm doing to greet all the students as they come in, I'm doing that as a black principal, right? Because I know that I've got young people who don't have that in their lives. When I'm saying the things I say during the morning message, I'm, I'm saying that I'm saying that through through the mouth of a black principal, through the lens of a black principal. So I wore that, but and I never hid from it. So from the superintendent and board on down, there was no mistake in that. This 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 is what this guy is, right? This this is who I am. So 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 when I'm mentoring other African American and Latino 
um, administrators, I tell them, don't don't lose sight of that. Don't don't get yourself caught up into the job. Remember your historical responsibility. Mm, I say to them, remember your ancestral deep responsibility. Right. It's it's now now it's your turn. It's it's our turn in this moment. And at some point, you're gonna groom some others to take the mantle from you, so that now they take the position. And when we continue that struggle, continue that fight that way. But I I never hid from that. But but going back to your original your earlier question, there there can be problems being that person. Make no mistake about it. I was I was you know I was ultimately suspended from from my principalship, and I had a termination hearing the following week. This is going back 20, 19 years ago. And, um, but I had so many allies in that city, um, in the media, um, et cetera, that when my hearing came, my wife and I and my youngest, my oldest son, we couldn't even drive through the parking lot. It was, it was that much support in that parking lot waiting for us. So when, so when the hearing came, the uh, ultimately to make a very long story short, the uh, the board president said, "You did nothing wrong. Report to work tomorrow, right? Just you know, just beef with superintendent and I because we saw the world differently. So 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 when one is outspoken, when one is 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 forth with that way, then yeah, you you you, you could run into problems, and that's why I say the alliances. So when I got myself into trouble." Which is which is not the only time I got into trouble, but that's the that was the biggest event. But when I got myself into trouble, the parents said, "We got you. You 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 suspended. Just stay home and watch TV. That's what they said. Just watch television. We got this fight, right? So so one has so therefore, one has to understand if you're going to be that." you know, to use, for lack of a better word, that revolutionary leader that's bringing about some real revolutionary oriented change for, for your students, you gotta, you gotta align yourself with people because, because mm-hmm. there will be, not might be, not maybe, there will be backlash. There will be. And just, and it's just a matter of, 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 of how you, how you proceed with that. So I was, you know, I was, I was prepared and here I am today. Hi, if you like this content, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and all social media platforms. Be sure, too, to hit the like and subscribe button on this video and share with somebody who you think would enjoy. Thank you for sharing that, you know, and I I appreciate that you're so forthcoming because I think that's um, something that educators don't often like to talk about, and you do run into some situations where you know, you maybe rock the boat a little bit, but you you clearly bounced back. Yeah. Um, the um, what do you think though? Thinking about when you were, how long ago were you a principal again? I left in two thousand eleven to oh, okay. do this work that I do now. So I so, did it fourteen years, and wow. then uh, yeah, and then I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, and work with school leaders and teachers uh, nationally and internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're killing it. And it, I thought, <laughs> I just thought of another thing that you made a status the other day when you were like, if you are wanting to, because Maurice and I are trying to be entrepreneurs ourselves. And I okay. think you said something, you called out the young heads and you're like, don't get too excited because you're getting all these calls. Because you, you got booked once. Oh, you saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't I get excited about June, July, and August. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, it was much appreciated because it definitely made us pause. Like, hold on, hold on wait. Yeah, hey, Principal Cofele has been doing this for a minute. He probably knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. That screenshot, I was like, oh, Principal Cofele talking to us. Yeah. Yeah, the people get excited, man. I see the young ones. I didn't mean to cut you. I'm going to be sure real quick. The people get excited about, you know, June, July, and particularly August, that everybody's calling. I'm, I'm saying no a million times in August because I'm I'm literally booked for every weekday of the month. And, and, and those bookings usually occur far before August. So by let's say by the, by the, by by May June yeah by by May that August is 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 book solid, so you know so I, I start seeing people or hearing people saying, man I think I'm 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 gonna leave my day job I'm like oh pump pump the brakes because September does not look like August right or October <laughs> November I mean November and December you you might not work. Right. It just depends on it. It depends on how badly people want you. You know, I've been blessed that I, I work all 12 months, but there are people out here. Their, their calendar is empty November and December, and then it'll pick back up in January. You know, so, uh, yeah. yeah but it was so it was so funny. It was like so timely, too, because I think we were just coming back from being booked. We spoke at like an admin retreat and mm -hmm. we're like, oh, we out here. <laughs> <laughs> the big piece of humble pie but um my original question uh you know even 11 years ago do you see like the expectations and the challenges any different for principals today than maybe you encountered oh yeah what, what yeah, do you think some of those differences are i'd have to go through a whole training to get back in there now this is a different youngster it's, and it's a different teacher um, when I left, social media was still in its infancy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I recall only having to deal with one social media beef, and that was MySpace um, mm -hmm. back in my, 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 my last year, right? But now, um, with it being the primary means of communication of most um, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different world out here, but not only in terms of conflict, but just in terms of access to information in, by, by way of the way it influences who you are, your thinking, your thought process, your, your perspective, your vision, et cetera. Um, this is a, this, this, this is a, this is a different youngster in terms of what this, how this youngster is being informed. Um, but this teacher, the younger teacher is a product of the same world. So it's 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 a different teacher coming in, you know the 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 the, the interview because I was I was starting to see it in my last couple of years in terms of the interview, right? It's it's they're coming in differently. Like like in the past, the candidate is coming in dressed very formally. Now the candidate was almost walking in off the street, you know, and it, it was it was it was it was just a different mindset um, in terms of appearance. And even in terms of some of the conversation, I said, wow, there, there, there's, there's a shift occurring. So I know that now, 11 years later, and just my interactions with, with teachers, whether it be through social media or in person, the young teacher coming in, this is a different teacher, right? So, and, I, and I'm not saying it's a, it's a worse off teacher. I'm just saying it's a different teacher. So therefore, as principal, I have to be able to adapt to who's in the building now 
versus trying to make the 2022 teacher or colleague as administrator to be the 2010, 2011 teacher or administrator. That's not possible. It's, it's me making the adaptation. You know, yes. it, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's not me saying, look, you need to go back 11 years. No, I got to figure that out and find that middle ground and make it work. Right. You, you know, it's like people, there's, there's, there's a pop, there's a percentage of people who they look at me funny when I talk to them about the fact that I put my boys in shirt and tie when I was a principal. Right. Because in their world, like, why, why, why is that? Why does that even matter? Um, to their parents, it probably still matters. When I explain to them why we did it, then it makes sense to them. But until they get the explanation, then they're looking at me sideways like, why, why are we doing that, right? But, um, but because I was so old school as a principal, see, see, as a teacher, going back to the teaching days first, my students never saw me without a shirt and tie. Because I was so, as I, as I always say, old, 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 old school, right? So it doesn't mean I'm frowning upon the one that doesn't do that. I'm just so 1930s, right? Carter G. Woodson. So <laughs> as, a, as a principal, I didn't change. So my students only saw me dress down on a, at a Saturday basketball game or the Saturday uh, extracurricular program that I attended, whatever it was. But during the school day, they never saw it. Even on dress down Friday, which I gave my staff, I didn't participate in that. So I was so old, old, old school. But now, they, I mean, of course, there's a lot of principals that still dress formally, but 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 times have times have shifted, mm -hmm. and. You know, we just have to, as as a leader, we we have to understand that we can't frown upon it, condemn it, and 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 try to make someone who we want them to be. We gotta find that middle ground. Yeah, you know, I, I would liken that to what we tell teachers, right? These students in front of you, we don't necessarily want them to change. We right. as the educators have to adapt, and the same thing applies um, as leaders. We have to adapt to our mm -hmm. staff. And let me tell you, this teacher shortage, Oh yeah. It, I think that has definitely made it to where people literally walked in from the street. They were running errands prior to the interview. <laughs> I heard you guys are hiring. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's how I got my first job. See, I, you know, I'm a, Jer I'm a Jerseyite. I'm not from New York, but I started my career in New York, in okay. New York City in 1988, because the, the, the teacher shortage was severe. So they, they it, I mean, it almost boiled down to if you have a bachelor's degree, you're in. Um, and it, so, so I applied for a job that I wanted to teach and, and, and the time was right. So I went to New York because it was, you know, in Jersey, it was still formal. So you had to go through the formal process where in New York, you go to the board on the appointed day and they gave you three, three assessments, um, a, a written assessment, which was, um, no, a, 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 a verbal assessment, which was two parts. They ask you two questions, right? What would you do if this happened, right? Two questions. A written assessment where they give you a one-page essay, write what you would do if this in, in this situation, right? You pass all three, they say, go find a job here in New York City. And that was it. So so there was, a, there was I found a school in Brooklyn that was, uh, they had a teach that one teacher had, had, had died. He had transitioned. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was in November. And um, I went to the principal and she said, can you start tomorrow? It was like going to McDonald's. She said, oh, can wow. you start 
Yeah, she said we she interviewed me for all of 30 minutes and she said, Can you start tomorrow? The teacher transitioned, very popular. The students, uh, the average student in the class had been retained twice. Um, and these were fifth, only fifth graders. The teacher was extremely popular. He'd been there for 20 some odd years. Um, could you come tomorrow? I'll be here. And that's how that's how I started. So then I, wow. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So I went back to Jersey and did it the right way. Wow. Yeah, that that's, was um, that's incredible. So wait, yeah. you know, look at Maurice, Maurice and I are sitting here like, oh, there were other teacher shortages throughout. <laughs> yeah, it's always been a thing, I guess, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. um, I, I, again, I'm I'm looking now and especially getting a chance to hear some of this background of this uh, illustrious career. Um, in the work that you are doing now, you know, so you are working with, with schools, you're giving keynote addresses, um, you know, and again, we kind of referenced the idea that there are folk who want to kind of get into that space. Um, but I, 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 here's the thing, Principal Cofelli, I, I said to Lissette, you know, coming out of May of 2020, right? This national kind of conversation after the death of George Floyd, mm -hmm. I recognized that there was potential to, to cheapen this important work that we were doing, right? Yeah. That if you were a black person who could string together a few sentences or, or throw some type of book out there, that people were going to buy it because it had become trendy, yeah. right? To, to have conversations on equity and, and, and culture. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing it way before that, right? So what, one of the things I would ask of you is, what drives you, right? What What is it that you say, okay, I have been successful today if such and such has happened, right? Because we don't want that, that we don't want cheap equity talk, right? And yeah. and so that's why Lissette and I are really, we, we started this podcast in summer of 2020. And um, we, we've, we are continuing to have these conversations because we want something real and, and tangible for you. What, what is that? What does that uh, success look like or mean for you? Yeah, you know, my mind is rooted in what I said in the first question when I started studying African-American history, that that has always been my drive um, be, because it informed me as to who I am and what my role is in life. As I figured out my, my role in terms of being being an, an advocate, but but in terms of my education role, I figured that out along the way. But but it was all rooted in that study of history. It said, this is who you are. This is what you're a product of. So there's certain work you got to do. But now, once I got into the work, now what's going to sustain me, right? Well, again, falling back on that. But now that, that, that urge to be effective, right? To, 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 to make those connections with teachers, with leaders, with, with children, when I was doing a, a, a huge number of assemblies, um, and that drive to get better at what I was doing. So that, that drive to stay relevant. So keeping my eyes open relative to the world and making sure that staying within my lane, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm developing content that's going to help a leader to lead that much more effectively or, or a teacher to teach that more effectively within the areas that I, that I address. And to this day, you know, I'm 62 now. I started speaking at the age of 25. And, 
you know, just continuing to stay relevant, you know, and, and be the best version of myself, but to stay consistent with what's out here in terms of what the needs may be, what the challenges may be, what the obstacles may be. So, and, and that takes me right to all this work I do with the assistant principal, because that wasn't a thing where like someone with a, with a, a true marketing mind, you know, where it becomes sort of gimmicky might, might look at it and say, wow, there's a need to do something with assistant principal. But because of my passion for the work, I saw it through those, or, or, through those authentic lenses that the AP needs help right? What can I do? So after writing a blog post that went viral called the, the assistant principalship, the most misunderstood and underutilized position in all of education, I said, I need to follow this up with a book. And that became the assistant principal 50. But then when the book is released, we're, we're in the midst of a stay at home. So I'm sitting at home and I'm, I'm working, working harder during the stay at home in that first two years, 20 and 21, I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life as a speaker, because I'm sitting at this, this very desk on this very computer, and I'm doing about three, four, five presentations a day, five days a week. So I, I did about 400 presentations that first year when I didn't know if I was going to even work that year, because I, you know, who knew that this was going to become a thing at that time. So I'm saying that to say, so I'm sitting at home. I don't need to work Saturdays because I'm working Monday to Friday, but I said, but that assistant principal that I'm now focused on, they need something and I'm home. Let me create this, this virtual Academy and let's do 18 weeks just that summer, and then we're done with that. Lo and behold, a whole lot of people decided to tune in, whether it be live or watch the videos when, at their convenience. And um, I said, I can't stop this thing. So now we, you know, tomorrow will be week 135. And I haven't, I haven't missed a week yet, you know? So we, you know, we'll be live tomorrow morning. So, and that's that focus, that narrow focus on that assistant principal to say, hey, assistant principal, there's so much more to you than yeah. at least with so many of them out there than what you've been relegated to do. Mm. And that's, you know, and that's how I keep that fire burning. So you may know, um, I just finished writing another book for assistant principals. Um, I just finished it last month and I, I signed a contract with my publisher to do three for assistant principal. So we'll write the second one um, of these three next spring. And then the third one, the following spring, you know, and just, just, just getting that assistant principal information out there and helping them to become better because if they win, the children win. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, so, so you, man, yeah, you, you've written a lot of books. Can you, I'm in, I'm always intrigued when, when folk are able to get that content, put it on paper, Yes. Can you tell us just a little bit about what does your writing process look yeah. like? Yeah, I'm um, and, and as I always say, I'm always the first to say I'm 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 not a writer. I am a person. I'm an educator who has the audacity to take his thoughts and put them on paper. Yes. Right, but 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 I'm not. You know, I know a writer when I see one, and I'm not one of them. Um, I know that a lot of people enjoy my writing. They enjoy the way I write. I write it very conversationally, um, but I'm not a writer. But 
there's a lot of us that should be writing, but don't have that audacity, right? They're not audacious. They don't think that they have something worthy of being shared or that anybody will read it, whatever it is. They make those kinds of excuses. So my process is 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 typically to have a, you know, I'm old school. I got, you know, I got all the electronics. I got the phone, the iPad, the computer. I got all that stuff, but but I use a a, a, a pen and pad and I'll go through maybe a month or two and as I observe the world each day and listen to the world each day, thoughts are generated that are consistent with what I may want to write about. And I jot them down. And I just go throughout my day, jotting down, jotting down, jotting down. And next thing I know, I have a skeleton for a book. I've got an outline. The only thing I have to do, which is the easy part now, is to fill it in. Because the organization is done. See, at, by, by way of me just jotting down, jotting down. Now, I will I will organize everything I jotted down into a lengthy outline, which is the book. It's the, 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 it, they're the chapters of the book, the chapters and the subchapters, subtitles of the book. So now it's just, it's just filling it in. And, um, you know, depending on the level that, that one writes and researches, I'm not a researcher and I'll be the first to tell anybody. I'm just, again, one that has thoughts I will, I will use a, a selected by a bibliography to fill in some of those blanks, but I'm not someone to go out and engage in, in research. That's that's not who I, I'm a practitioner who again will just write and just just has the, the courage to write his thoughts. And then that becomes the book. And um I've been doing it for a while. I've written that well now with the new one 13 and um but 12 that are published. And that's that's what I do. You know, if 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 the listeners of this of, of this interview are interested, if they went to my YouTube channel called School Talk with Principal Kafele, I have four videos there called Thoughts to Consider for Writing a Best-Selling Book. They're four, they're one hour each. So that's four hours of content, which a lot of people question me, like, why are you giving this stuff away when you can make so much money? I ain't trying to make money off that. You know, it's just uh it's on YouTube. All they gotta do is click play. And uh, and block out four hours and 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 read and and listen, I should say, to um, the four steps, the four stages I have for writing a best-selling book. Maurice, oh. we need to check that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four hours of content. I mean, and some you know, I, I say to people, sometimes someone say, "Do you have anything else?" I said, "Look, everything I got up here is in them four videos. If it's not in them videos, I don't know it." <laughs> <laughs> Maurice and I are working on one right now but I feel like you like I'm not a researcher either we're practitioners and I like what you said about just the audacity to write down your thoughts yeah, yeah, yeah. the audacity yeah the audacity. and and I also always say the research that was done about black and brown children it was me and Maurice we were those black and brown children right and right. you know what I mean and very rarely do those participants even get a chance to be in the room where they're debriefing or having those discussions? Like, yeah. that's what me and Maurice bring. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Maurice. Do you have any final burning questions you want to ask? You know what? I, I again, I'm just um, blown away by by everything that I've that I've learned today. Um, I think. Uh, 
we 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 were excited to have you on. We we kind of you know talk about in in education, especially in that Twitter world, right? Yeah. You're kind of that edge of celebrity, right? So I mean, it's 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 again, it's a big deal that that you're on here. One question that I had written ahead of time, and and I'll squeeze it in now. Um, as we get ready to maybe kind of wrap things up here, it's just, okay, everybody knows Principal Cafele. Now we even get a chance to know where Baruti and, and Cafele came from. Yeah. It, what's, what's one thing that that most of your folk don't know about you? What, what's what's something about Principal Ooh, Cafele? Yeah, uh, well, that you don't mind sharing, right? That you don't mind sharing. <laughs> Who, who's your sports team or or what's your pastime or, you know, something simple, just something that, that folk don't know about yeah. the author and speaker. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give it to you, but if but as far as sports, I'm I'm you know I'm all in New York. Okay. Um, okay. You know I wasn't except for when Kobe was uh, playing for the Lakers. I was I thought I was a Laker fan, and then when he retired, I I lost interest in the team. So I said, okay, like a lot of people, I wasn't a Laker fan. I was a Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. So so I came back home, and I'm I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Giants fan in, in football. I'm a Mets fan in baseball. I'm all I'm all New York. But um, but as far as that thing, some people some people know this, but I would think the public doesn't know. I'm um extremely introverted. I um I'm I'm very shy, and it doesn't come across when people see Principal Cafele, but when people have opportunity to talk to Baruti Cafele. Then they see something different, and it's and it's always you know it kind of amuses me because they'll they'll question it, like it, especially let's say I did a, a keynote somewhere and I you know I brought a lot of thunder, a lot of fire, in fact a lot of keynotes. I'll even dance. You it's hard. You can't get me to dance at a cruise on at a deck party. You can't get me to dance at a wedding reception, but I'll dance in front of thousands of people on stage at a, at a keynote address, and that's because I'm in principal mode. Principal Cafele is, is very mm. extroverted. Mm. Rudy Cafele is not. Rudy Cafele doesn't need people around him. I, 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 I'm, I'm just to myself, me and my wife. I'm good on the road. You know, you, you know I, I get bored with the travel. However, I can handle it, right? I can handle being in them hotel rooms all night by myself, you know, because, because it's consistent with who I am when I leave the work. Right. So a lot of people find that curious, but then they say, but it makes sense, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that thing that, that a lot of people don't know. A lot of people, they, they, they think that what they see in the public or what they see on a Saturday on, on Saturday morning. Once 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 I hit that end button and this camera goes off on Saturday, I'm not that guy is sitting here saying I'm on fire. That That's that's not that's 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 principal cafe lane. And, yeah. that's it. and I'm not faking the funk. I hope you understand what that terminology means. If, if you don't, you got to study Parliament funk, <laughs> funk, right? So I'm not faking. It's just that that's who Principal Cafele is, right? And 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 but but when the work is done, I'm Baruti, and I say to people, you got to figure out the same thing for yourself. So so Principal, the two of you are Principal. And and you probably way up here on the job. I don't mean you're going through charismatic hype and all that. I don't mean that. But but in terms of your energy, your enthusiasm, your excitement, your passion, you are probably way up here. Well, you can't sustain that 
for your entire day. That, that, that'll burn you out quickly. So you gotta you gotta revert back to who you are. Now, if you're if this is who you are outside of school, then fine, it's a win. But if you're not, you can't try to be that. So mm -hmm. I'll be in the community and back, back during my principal days, because I was also a man of the community. So, you know, I'm I'm doing things, you know, whether whether it be the activism things, whether it be doing smaller community-oriented events. And I'm not that guy. You know, I, I've brought it way, way down right and and just being my authentic self so that's i gave you a long answer but that's 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 the thing that a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't realize about me if they didn't know me excellent excellent listen i'm the same way people think i'm like crazy and energetic or they don't because I, I still get nervous at times and they'll be like oh you killed it that was great and i'm like oh i was dying on the inside but people don't see that so exactly yeah. what you're talking Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's me. Um, so my final question for you, Principal Cafele, is looking ahead, because Maurice and I have been looking into freedom dreaming, and we often talk about the problems, right? We know systemic oppression exists. We know that we need to dismantle all of them. But what do we rebuild, rebuild it to? What does that rebuild look like? Like, how are we going to move past just calling it out? How do we rebuild, in your opinion? Yeah, it's uh, an interesting question. My son and I were just having this conversation yesterday, and I'm 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 a, I'm of the mindset that all politics are local, and I don't I don't get as caught up into the national politics that I do the local level politics. So 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 with your question, it boils down to what are we doing at the local level? Right. What are we doing as it relates to the services in our town? What are we doing in terms of put, applying pressure? What are we doing as it relates to the Board of Education in terms of applying pressure to them? What are we doing to improve, enhance the quality of life for people locally in our town? Because if because if the focus is always national, then we miss the people at the local level. Right. We're just looking at the national politics and, 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 and getting caught up into that, the, the theatrics of it and so forth. But if, if but if we look at the community, we look at the neighborhood, we look at the block, we look at the individuals and what is it that we can do? What is it that I'm not doing that I can do more of to enhance my community, to help people to get better, to help somebody to maximize their potential, some young person or older? that may not realize their greatness. What is it that I can do to help that, that person to recognize it? Someone that doesn't have any clue as to the history that precedes them, right? I, you know, for, as a presenter, I'll drop some history in a minute. And, and I, you know, like I wasn't contracted to come and talk history, but, I, but I'll, I'll figure out a way to weave it in because there's somebody sitting in that audience that needs to hear that, right? So that they can say, oh, okay. Then, then, then there's certain things I need to be doing differently from myself so just what one could do at that local level to mm -hmm. to, to change the the quality of life for people to, to elevate the consciousness the political social consciousness of people so that we begin to think differently about the world think differently about ourselves and and so forth mm, i love it that is beautiful note to end on thank you thank you thank you so much uh for meeting you. with us this morning it was um extraordinary oh i appreciate the opportunity good to be with both of you absolutely you. absolutely hey uh stay stay strong and as lissette always tells me 
stay black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got that right. You got yeah, got to. You can't run away. Be got authentic. <laughs> right. right. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much, Principal Capelli. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. If you liked this episode and would like to see more, check out these videos.